Welcome to Born to Sell Denver with Sean Notary and Brian Smith. Our guests today are Patrick Langhans and Kevin Green from Cross Country Mortgage. Welcome, guys. Hey. Thanks for having us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Patrick, do you want to start? Sure. All right. Um, in the mortgage industry, been doing it 21 years. Is this good? Better. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've been in the in the mortgage industry 21 years, uh, cross-country a few years. I've been running my own team 10 of those years. I worked corporate America for a while, so I worked for a big national home builder. I was like a VP of operations. I actually got fired and then went out on my own. Ooh, so, we got a story was, here. It, so screw that guy, right? I, I, should, <laughs> I should thank them. Yeah, it was, it was the best firing ever. What did you do? Um, yeah, what did you know? Another, what's this be, rated? Yeah, I was going to say, it can't be, yeah, that might be another podcast. Well, you didn't have to say who. <laughs> That's close. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kevin, how about you? Uh, kind of similar. I've been in since 05, so whatever the math is on that. What's that? Almost 19 years? What, mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So I've been doing it uh, 19 years. Um, run a branch uh, cross country as well. And uh, I've got a, got a team that I think is kind of the, the perfect size. It's a weird dichotomy because I want to grow, but I don't want that team where, you know, clients don't know who they're talking to, right? So I'm at the size where I still talk to every single lead um, every day, uh, whether I was able to take their call originally or not. Um, but yeah, I've been just grinding, slinging loans. It's all I know how to do. It's the only thing I'm good at is what my wife says. Ah, well, okay. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree with yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, we've been sitting around here the last couple of podcasts talking about mortgages and rates and things like that. So what happened in 2023? (laughs) You want to take that one, Patrick? Um, If you had to sum it up, inflation. Inflation drove rates high. Um, We don't have to go into the nitty gritty of it, but the higher inflation is, the higher mortgage rates go. And as you see rates rise, makes affordability tough. So we saw a lot fewer buyers. Um, that's the easiest way to sum it up. And then as we see that inflation drop, we'll see rates drop. We expect buyers to get back out there. Okay. Yeah, the debt ceiling was lifted, so which is something that nobody ever thought would happen. And so an insane amount of money flooded in, and mortgage rates took the biggest spike uh, in the shortest amount of time that they've ever taken in the history of the U.S. housing market. That's what happened in 23. It was a real good year. Yeah. Real good year. Was it the Super highest fun. you guys had ever seen since you were in the business? Uh, in 05, when I got in, like seven and a quarter was kind of common, you know, um, but that was very short lived. And so it was kind of a ride down my whole career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Up until uh, 2023. Yeah. Start of, 20, of the 2000s, it was, it was actually a refi boom into the sevens and the sixes. Mm-hmm. People were getting out of their eight, nine, 10% loans and refinancing at seven, six. Five. Yeah. But the thing is, too, is that housing, I mean, prices were dramatically different even, you know, 20 years ago. Right. So like whenever I see that, you know, boomer on Facebook, that's like, when I bought my house, I paid 14 percent. It's like, yeah, Karen, you paid 50K <laughs> for a three, two. <laughs> you know, it's not relevant at all. I'm having a lot of trouble selling this money right now. You know, <laughs> you know, that's funny. That's true, too. Actually, I mean, I was thinking back to 1997 when I bought my first house and I had an eight and a half percent interest rate. Yeah. But it was one hundred and thirty thousand dollars in Platte Park. Yeah. 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 That house now is a million. Right. And 
So, yeah. Yeah, I remember my first house, 99000 Chaffa. And I think I was at seven and a quarter and my payment was $875 a month. And I was freaking out. I was like, how am I ever going to afford this? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's All wild right. to think about. But, but I did the same thing. I packed it full of roommates, right? Yeah. Like I yeah, was that's a, what I did too. It was a four bedroom, two bath. And every one of those rooms were bunked, yeah. you know? I yeah. love a good house hack. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I like it. So what's going to happen then moving forward? Man, can I take this one, Patrick? Yeah. I mean, at least this is what I think, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. I mean, like you buying your house in 97 and you buying your house for 99000 right? It was still a good idea to buy. Yeah. 100%, right? You absolutely don't regret that whatsoever. So I think what's going to happen, this is kind of my, my short prediction for at least the first half of 24, and I, I feel like agents and loan officers, we almost have like a, like a moral obligation. I don't want to over-dramatize it. But serious, we have a, a really serious obligation here to get this message out that this window is closing, yeah. right? That like, it, look, there's no inventory and there's none coming. And we all know this, right? We all know this. And so it's going to go back to a bloodbath. It really is. I think there's so much pent up demand. I mean, I'm not saying anything nobody doesn't know in the industry, but I, I'm scared for people because of affordability. Yeah. So it's like anybody that, you know, can qualify in that first time homebuyer kind of range. I, I'm just shaking them, you know, like... You guys, I don't know, maybe mid-March before there's going to be multiple offers on everything and they're going to take your, your chaffa, mm-hmm. they're going to take your minimum down, they're going to take your asking for concessions for rate buy-down, concessions for closing costs, to be, and they're going to ball it up and throw it in the trash. Yeah, you can't do them. Yeah. You can't, it's going to yeah. go away. And I, Look, we're going to exchange one problem for another. You know, the problem of 23, almost zero activity, super high rates. Problem of 24, we're going to be right back to bidding wars. You agree with me? Yeah, I mean, I'm telling people in the next 30 days, that's your opportunity. Mm-hmm. Especially uh, for wow, first-time home 30. buyers okay. that are like low down payment, yeah. need yeah. concessions. Yeah, Like 30 days, you're thinking. Yeah, well, yesterday I was looking up numbers, and the average single-family home price from December to May goes up about $100,000. Mm-hmm. So for the last two years, that's happened. Yeah, we just talked about that. Yeah, you're... Yeah. The, you're Cup is sitting on the stat. Well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. I, what, I think out of all the institutions, like, you know, NAR, Zillow, all that, like, I think the, the average is, like, the prediction of 6.2% increase in home prices for 24. So it's like, it's not, affordability is just not coming, you guys. Like, the housing crash guys are just wrong. I honestly wish that they were right. Yeah. I would love a 20% correction. Mm-hmm. I wish that was the case. I said that to a client on Zoom, and I think she saw it in my eyes, you know, yeah. like I was trying to get her off the fence. And she goes, no, 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 that's just, I just know there's, and I'm just like, tell me why. And when I said to her, look, I wish you were right. Yeah. I think she saw it, that I was being very genuine. And sure enough, okay, I'll fill out the application. I'll get you on my, good. Yeah. Yeah. Because I wish that you yeah. were right, but it's just, it's going to go up. It's going to happen all over again. And, and rates peaked at about 8.2, 8.2%. Even with that high of interest rates and elevated prices, what did we see? A, a 1% growth four percent four percent yeah four percent so four percent in one year with that kind of interest rate now rates are about one and a half lower and continuing to fall all that pent-up demand that kevin was talking about it's it's gonna explode it's eighth grade economics it's supply and demand Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's funny i had a friend uh back in 1997 who i sold a lot of like my college buddies houses and he said i'm gonna wait until the market crashes in 97 yeah. And we literally had a run up until 2000 and really eight or nine until the market actually corrected. Yeah. 
But at that point, prices had more than doubled, you know, mm-hmm. during that time period. And so he never got that, that crash. Really. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because in like probably 98, 99, my, my wife at the time um, was from S- Sacramento, California. And I was in real estate sales here and I had bought, a, I think I had three investment properties here by then. And we were checking out properties in, in Sacramento, and there was a duplex for 85000 for both sides, okay? It was renting at $600, $600 a side, and my realtor was brand new. Like, he was, like, 21 years old. Like, you know, we're driving this beat-up old freaking Ford Taurus he's driving us around in. Used to be a nice car. Used to be a nice car. But here's the aha that connects this together is he says, okay, meet with my lender. So I sit down with his lender. And his lender's like, you know, in his 40s. And at the time, I was like probably early 20s, right? I'm probably like 25, 26, right? And uh, I guess that's mid-20s. And he says, you don't want to buy right now. The economy is bad here. The lender said this? The lender. And he talked me out of freaking buying it. Within four years, that thing was like $350,000. Why did he take the appointment? Right? <laughs> and so here's the stupid thing. Let, I me shoot, let me send him right out. out. Yeah. <laughs> but he freaked me out because of his perception of the market was negative. Yeah. Well, home ownership in general is the best investment in the world. It's, it's the only like, blue-collar way to become yeah. wealthy. And so when people ask me, hey, is it a good time to buy or when is a good time to buy – it's when you can afford it. Yeah. So when you yeah. can afford the monthly payment, that's when you should buy. You shouldn't try and time the market. Right. You know, or what you can afford. Yeah. Right? The best time right. to buy is yeah. as soon as you can. And yeah. where, where a lot of people get hung up right now, or this is what I, I see, a lot of people move because they want to upgrade their living situation. And that's great if you can do it. So I live in a two-bedroom. I want a three-bedroom. I live in a condo. I want a townhome. And that's fine if you can afford it. But if you can't afford it, if you can't afford an upgrade, you should still own what you live in. Mm -hmm. So where I see people, homebuyers, make mistakes is they're living in a two-bedroom condo, and they can't afford the three-bedroom, so they continue to rent the two-bedroom. Yep. Mm. And I think really important for agents is to sit down with clients and say, if you're going to live in it, you should own it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here's why. It's a stepping stone to the three-bedroom, four-bedroom. Yeah. Right. Well, and you look at historically, it's 4% increase per year yep. on the price of the home, not what you invested in the home. Right. 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 So like if on a $500,000 place, if you put 10% down, 50000 but you're getting 4% return, you're getting $20,000 return on $50,000 that you yeah. invested. Yeah. That's a really good... 40%. 40%. And if you did 3.5% down... The the return is massive, right? Like that's that, yeah. That that's the, there's never a bad time to buy real estate. Right. I don't really care. Uh, yeah. You might disagree with. There's me a bad time to sell. <laughs> no, that's here's true. here's the piece. I think you, you you can't control when you always sell. That's the problem because you a lot of times we have to sell when you know something has happened in our lives that forces yeah. us into a sale. Um, but we can control when we buy and when do you buy is, is, is to your point as early as you can when you can afford it. Yeah. Now when it comes to investment properties, I do feel like there is a different rhythm to that. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you just don't buy just whenever, whatever, right. You have to have some kind of investment strategy. Yeah. Um, Kevin, can I back this up a minute? Because one of the things you said is you were talking about inventory being down and that that's the biggest problem. And just so the listeners, um, can we recap for a minute why 
what is the biggest issue in America right now regarding inventory? Like, I think we have to have that conversation to explain why inventory is not going to grow. Right. Well, so even if it were to grow, and I can't remember what this number was, but it was like if it doubled, it still wouldn't be nearly enough, right? Like not a drop in the bucket. So there's the mortgage rate lockdown, right? There's there's one aspect of it. Some mm-hmm. people will argue against it. I know Logan at Housing Wire has this argument against that, but I, I just it does it, it totally makes sense to me. Um, you've got the what? I don't know what that means. Explain oh, sorry. that. The yeah. mortgage rate lockdown is the theory that people that have these sub three percent. Mm-hmm. you know, rates are not going to make a move, right? Unless they have the, what is it, the seven life events, right? Like mm-hmm. divorce, baby, job transfer, all the stuff that kind of force a real estate transaction, yeah. right? Yeah. So you've got a huge mortgage lockdown problem, which is my industry's fault, my side of the industry mm-hmm. that we're all in, right? But we blame you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You should, yeah, personally. Thank you. Yes, it was me personally. Um, I love when uh, past clients call me and they're like, yeah, but you gave me uh, 2.7%. And I go, and you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's no inventory coming, meaning that you've got that aspect of things. And then you've got home builders that are never going to build like they did before. Right. Yeah. So that's the other thing is no new inventory. But why? Like, because I think we they, have to explain because they why. learned, they, they learned their lesson, right? Yeah. So they're never going to do that again. They were completely overbuilt in the great recession. Remember that uh, event that happened that almost brought the whole country down? Do you guys recall that? It was yeah. a while back. Yeah. 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 Uh, I had a lot of rentals then. Yeah. It was not fun. Yeah. So <laughs> listen, here's the thing. Uh, builders are never going to do that again. They learn their lesson. And in fact, they're doing the opposite. And it's good business, right? Yeah. So they're actually keeping inventory below demand. And they're yeah. going to keep doing it like this. And that is the way that it should be done. Because they, you know, if you take out these, I mean, that's a whole, uh, building homes is a, a crazy business, right? And you've got these huge seven-figure lines of credits that you have to satisfy. And so if you start banging nails, you've got to have people lined up at your sales office. Yes. You have to. So you've got to stay behind the demand. And, and they're projecting out, you know, they're, they're not just saying, hey, let's build a subdivision. Six months later, there's a subdivision. I mean, it's taking somewhere, sometimes five to 10 years mm-hmm. from the time of we're going to build on this piece of land to when there's a house on that piece of land. So their projections are behind. Yeah. And then you have nimbyism, which is right not in my backyard because I remember earlier, you know, in real estate where there were builders building, you know, you could buy a buy level with an unfinished basement. So you'd buy it as a two bedroom, one bath. It had sticks, you know, it's a stick house, super simple construction, one car garage, you know, um, cheap, you know, cheap siding on it, no brick. And they were building them as affordable housing. You can't build that today. Right. Right. The cities won't approve it. The counties won't approve it. And then you have impact fees of what, forty-five to fifty thousand dollars per lot. That's just the tax on the impact in the community to build that house. That doesn't mm-hmm. include the price of the land or anything. So you have all these things happening because I know that there's listeners here saying, well, it's simple, just build more homes. Right. Yeah, it, thankfully we're not as bad as like California, for example. But I feel like we're go- we're getting there in Colorado or some like East Coast states as well. But you're yeah. absolutely right. The, the red tape to just put up some sticks and, and get you know homes built is insane right now. I would yeah. I would hate to be a home builder right now. So and, to throw some stats at that, yeah. two thousand five and or two thousand five, two thousand six, I think it was nationally, home builders put in one point six million homes each year. We didn't break a million till 2022. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was the first year we put in over a million. The previous 14 years averaged about 700,000. 
So there's a huge shortage. Huge shortage. Huge shortage of, of places to live. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, mean, I actually... Now, the, uh, are these resales or is this like actually building for rentals? For like people? apartments? Apartments. Uh, no, these are um, single-family homes to buy. Okay. Yeah. And so basically what you're saying is, do you think that builders spent more time building rentals then? Because I know you look downtown and there's cranes everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so a lot yeah. of the building efforts were made towards rentals rather than than single-family homes or, you know, resales. Well, there's another reason for that, too, because Colorado has the construction defect laws, Mm -hmm. which... That's on condos? Yeah, on condos. So now a lot of developers will not build condos Mm -hmm. because of the the ability for an attorney to file a class action over one unit having structural issues, and the whole building ends up settling on it. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but there's so much fear in the development world about building condos, so that eliminates an entire product right from from that we used to have available to us. So now you have to go to townhouses, but what's your starting price on a townhouse? What six hundred, seven hundred thousand? Mm-hmm. Yeah, under construction. Starting in a lot price? of cases, yeah. So I think yeah. builders stop building because of the risk, kind of like Kevin yeah. said. Well, and I mean, look for you know for agents that are looking for like a, a simple way to get this message out. It's really simple. There's nothing on the horizon that would suggest that inventory is going to spike anywhere near where make a change. Yeah. Well, there's right? only two ways to increase inventory: build more homes, mm-hmm. or if you own a home, sell it. And you got to move somewhere else. You got to move somewhere else. You can't sell mm-hmm. and buy a home. You're right. Just, Sellers become buyers, you guys. Like that doesn't, you know what I mean? Resell yeah. doesn't necessarily help inventory. Um, but it, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Like there's just, the other thing too is there's no crash coming because like, you know, what, what is it? Um, the average equity, I think nationwide is like 182,000 or something mm-hmm. like that. Like that's insane. It's never been like that ever Yeah. where the average equity is nearly approaching 200,000. So if you find yourself, let's say we go into a jobs recession. Right, you find yourself with no job. You start getting behind on your mortgage. By the way, it takes like twelve months before foreclosure proceedings yeah. even begin, and then yeah. you've got like another eight months from there. Right, so you get ninety days behind on your mortgage. You're not going to get foreclosed on. Yeah, that's not going to happen. That's that's another reason because of supply and demand. There's no crash coming. If you lost your job, you're behind on your mortgage. You're going to put a sign in the yard yeah. and put a giant pile of money in your pocket. Yeah. Go go move in with mom and make a career change or something. Well, Figure out your life with a giant pile of money in the bank. At one hundred eighty-two thousand, you can actually move to other areas of the country and pay cash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, or yeah, or, or put you know seventy percent down and have a six hundred dollar a month payment. Or yeah, it's, whatever. Like, it's like the first time in history you can foreclose and feel like you won the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the point is, it's not coming right, and it's all just again eighth rate economics with supply and demand. Builders are not building; they're not going to, and resales just not, there's just nothing that would tell me what would put a bunch of signs in the yard yeah you know it's just it, not it's the, the only seven thing I, events that you mentioned right yeah. the seven events are the only thing the seven life events yeah i think some people think that because there are a lot less people that sold over the last couple years it's been down below average so the average nationwide is 5.2 million sales per year mm-hmm. okay and so at the end we actually had a 12-month period where it was just above 4 million so that's a lot of people who sat on the sidelines okay mm-hmm. so the question is are people going to jump in or not? And I think a lot of people didn't jump into the market and sell because of interest rates and because of lack of supply. Yeah. But I, I think that, you know, even if there is an increase in supply, there's going to be a slight increase in demand. Yes. But um, I don't see anything really major like changing our market, to be honest with you. Well, no, and that's why I'm trying. Sorry, yeah. that's why I'm trying to get this message out, right? Because 
This is the time for buyers. And this is what I'm screaming from the rooftops. Because get this, right? This is the... And again, I think it's really closing soon. Like, you're at the advantage because rates are high as a buyer. And you don't even get a high rate. You get a below market rate. Four out of five contracts... I don't know about you, Patrick. Four out of five contracts that come across my desk Mm -hmm. have seller concessions. I'd say nine out of ten. Yeah. That's what I said. Four out of five. (laughs) Be the same math. That's that's eight out of ten. That's eight out of ten. That's actually 80%. Okay. That's like five We do math for a living. But anyway, the point is, most... most, Can we all agree? Most contracts are coming over with seller concessions. And I mean like big, fat seller concessions. Sometimes 6%. Yeah. You know, I just got a contract this morning with $53,000 coming back from the seller. Um, I can't even buy the rate that low. I got to spend yeah. the rest on closing costs. But the point is, that's going to go away. Yeah. It's going to go away. And I think it's going to go. I'm, I really fear that the first quarter of 24 is going to be quite possibly the last time that buyers, particularly first time buyers, have any kind of advantage. I, I I feel the same thing. If you look at the if you look at the inventory, you look at what's going on with the numbers in December. We talked about in the last podcast with the lowest number of new listings hitting the market, the super low number of of sales. I think that's a very likely scenario. There there is one other aspect though to the what's going on with the housing market that we didn't touch on, which we did touch on last year, which was the institutional buyers. Yes, yeah. Right? What was the stat for the institutional buyers buying homes in 2023? Did that drop or did they sell? I'm not sure, but we talked about it a, a slightly in the last podcast where yeah. we predicted that there'd be less investors because of all the changes in laws. Oh, so, investors just fell off a cliff. Yeah. So institutional, you mean like the big, the like big black rock? Yeah, yeah like yeah. companies yeah. buying up a ton be- of properties. Because speaking, uh, if, if this conversation rolls true, they're looking at the same numbers we are, obviously. They're probably slightly smarter than... Yeah. I don't know. Brian. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. The rest of us were ahead of them. But, but they're going to jump back in. Yeah. yeah if that's yeah. the case... They're sitting on money. They're going to jump back in too. So, well, they've so they've made it public that that is their strategy, right? That yeah. they they want to you know get heavy into housing. Fortunately, though, I just heard this. Um, I think it was on Housing Wire. I read it or something. But fortunately, it's very little right now. Like it's less than three percent that institu- institutional investors. I think that was the inventory that they scooped up in twenty three. But the problem is, is three percent nationally. When you yeah. compound that into a region, mm-hmm. like did you see that in there's counties in Georgia where it's like sixty percent of right. the home sales are going to these institutional investors, and there's a neighborhood up where I live that Lennar built the neighborhood. It's probably close to a hundred homes, seventy five homes. They built it for BlackRock. Yeah, they're wow. all rentals. Wow, and they're all million dollar homes. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, it's like the, it, you're right. They, it hasn't happened yet, but they've made it very clear that this is part of their plan. I think that the institutional investors will probably be like the biggest change to housing to the real estate market that we've seen in a long time. Yeah. When that, and you're right, um, they're looking at the same stuff, right? So if they're if they execute this mission, that's going to be a huge effect. Huge. It's just fortunately not. We haven't seen it yet, yeah. but it just accentuates your point that you made, and you did it so eloquently. I mean, that's what I love about both of you. When you guys talk about the passion of home ownership and the passion of why to buy now, I mean, you two like are just. I mean, every agent should just model the both of you. But your passion about saying this, in my fears, this is your last opportunity. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, like Patrick said, you know, home ownership is the biggest instrument to wealth. Especially for like middle class, right? There's yeah. nothing better. That's just a fact. You can't argue that. 
Well, there's only a few ways to get rich, right? You could be famous. Podcasting. Podcasting. Yeah. (laughs) You could be a sports star. You can inherit money. Um, You can sell a business for millions of dollars. But most people don't have access to this. Yeah. Everyone has access to real estate. Um, You can buy a home with down payment assistance. Buy that first one, thousand bucks. You just invested a thousand bucks. If it goes up 5%, like you said, 25,000 a year, what's the return on investment for that? Yeah, exactly. Insane. Here's the thing, too. Like, I feel like this is no offense towards real estate agents, but people think that real estate agents are always going to say now is a good time to buy. Right. And I like to, you know, both of us do a home buyer. I do a webinar. I think you do like actual in person. Maybe I should switch to that. But we kind of help agents with the uphill sell, right, on home ownership. Because I think it's coming from more of a financial advisory kind of perspective, right? It's mm-hmm. not like a real estate agent saying, hey, it's now is a good time to buy. And I think agents should take note of that and talk more about it as an investment. So, hey, just because this doesn't check all the boxes or it's maybe one less bathroom than you needed, just get into the market. You know, so like I'll tell people, let's just have the scenario that you put 10% down on a home, right? So you put 10% down. Let's be super conservative, right? And let's just say that year over year, your appreciation is 5%. Right, we know we know predictions are higher than that. But let's just say five percent. So in two years, it's a hundred percent return on your money. Yeah, like where else are you going to get that? Right. Bitcoin. Yeah, like what what else are you going? So it's like I feel like agents need to be more talking as it doesn't matter that you know you can paint over the accent wall. I know it's not the perfect location, but you need to just get into the market and talk about it like an investment instrument that it is. Well, let's. I mean, if you really look at this at a, a ten year or twenty year horizon, right? There is very likely the case that if you buy a property today, like let's say, you know, I didn't grow up wealthy. I didn't grow up with parents that owned a home or anything like that. And home ownership generationally changed the trajectory of my family line, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're somebody who's in that similar scenario where, you know, you don't, you're you're not growing around wealthy or with, you know, uh, parents that are going to inherit you money. This might be your last chance mm-hmm. because 20 years from now, you're going to be priced out and your kids are going to be priced out. Yep. That's, that's interesting. Another thing I think that's interesting about the rates, because that was a lot of the conversation last year was the rate, right? Why do people not complain about paying 1% higher on credit card rates or mm-hmm. 1% higher on their car yeah. loan or 1% higher on you know the boat that they bought? Or anything, but one percent is a big difference, and I know it's it's a a lot of money more mm-hmm. on a monthly basis. But really, it's interesting to me that people don't look at it that way because you buy a car, you buy a boat, you have credit card debt, which is basically all the stuff that you accumulated that's going to depreciate in value. But when you buy a house, you're appreciating in value, so you mm. should really accept that one percent higher more for the house loan than you than you actually are hey, for the you're credit card. Write it off. Yeah, that's right. Right, it's the only thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one ever talks about that, too. No one ever talks about that. The 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 tax write off. Yeah, that's one of the most. That's one of the most important parts that I really focus on on our home buyer presentation. Is like, oh yeah, don't forget. And I really, I I, I really believe in like saying things very simply. Mm-hmm. You know, so depending on the client that I'm talking to, if they're self employed or just like a W two, let's go look. What that means is, if you're used to writing a check to the IRS every year as a homeowner, that check will be smaller. Yeah. If you're used to getting a refund from the IRS at the end of the year, as a homeowner, that refund will be bigger, right? right? 
Yeah. So, so Patrick, what are some of the trends in mortgages, would you say, for 2024? You know, are we going back to the crazy days of 100% financing and no-doc loans and stuff like that? Or, or is there something different that we need to be aware of? Um, Non-QM is a big thing right now, and I'll explain what that is. Basically, most loans that are done go through the government. So Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, VA. Those are all government entities, essentially. And so they make the rules. You have to follow the rules when you do a loan, right? So to your self-employment, certain credit scores, you can't just borrow money on your credit card to make a down payment. These are all rules that the government has. Non-QM are loans that are outside of the government. So basically portfolio loans. So we get to make our own rules. Hmm. So if we think the risk is worth it, we can do the loan. They do require a little bit more down payment. But to give you an example, self-employed people sometimes struggle to get qualified because your CPA's job is the opposite of ours. Right. Your CPA wants your income low. We Mm -hmm. want your income high. So when you file tax returns as a self-employed individual, it can be tough to qualify. A lot of non-QM loans will allow, just give us your 1099. We'll use that. Or give us 12 months bank statements. We'll use that. So these portfolio loans are stepping outside the normal rules to give financing to more people. It's not like it was back in 2008 where you could buy no money down, no income, no asset, 400 credit score. We still need credit, need down payment. I think you just described Sean yeah. in, in 2008. Is that your first one? T- no, seven, a lot five, of my cl- no, no, no. <laughs> I had a lot of properties by then, but uh, it was definitely a lot of my clients. Yeah. I mean, because that was tough because it was like you knew it was a bad idea, but they're just going to go next door and buy. Yeah. And it was such a horrible position to be in as an agent. Yeah. You know? But, well, this, but, this but sound- in, de- in defense, I have a friend who's worth $5 million because he used those to buy nine properties in Montbello. And those properties have all... He hung in. He he made it. You know, yeah. he kept his expenses low and he kept all his properties and he's very wealthy today. And I have another client who, you know, uh, you know, changed his family's life through those loans. So I don't think it's the loan. I think it's the misuse of the loan. Yeah, exactly. well, those loans will never come back, though. Dodd-Frank was the biggest piece of legislation to ever pass, ever. Yeah. It, it's not possible. And non-QM just means non-qualified mortgage. Qualified mortgage meaning like Fannie, Freddie, the yeah. agencies. Um but they're nowhere like that. They, yeah, you they, need a they, down payment. Yeah, What's the a down payment like for something like that? Typically Just 10%. 10, 10 or more. Okay. Um, but another good example, we had a client that had $2 million in the bank. Mm-hmm. And they decided, I'm not going to work. I'm just going to hang out. But now they don't really have income. Mm-hmm. So with these agency loans, Fannie, Freddie, FHA, it's not like they use common sense. Like, oh, None. you don't have a job that's okay you have two million no you don't have income you don't qualify ability to repay yeah you miss one box you're done but um with these portfolio non-qm loans we're like hey you got two million you're good for it ten percent down you're approved so stuff like that i think that's gonna um it's it's growing very 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 fast is the rate a little bit higher on that yep yep okay how much higher typically depends on the risk yeah one to two percent yeah typically one to two percent above like a market normal conventional loan Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. What else? What else is out there that's new or on the horizon? Well, shameless plug. I <laughs> I'm doing a promo right now where I'm just paying for a one zero buy down. So basically, mm-hmm. I'm just giving one percent lower um, than the market 
uh, rate right now. So um, 1% the first year. Yeah, 1% for the first year lower. And I'm doing that because, like you said, Sean, I think it's just my passion. Like, I, I, I what do I have to do? You know what I mean? To, like, get people <laughs> off the... I mean, come on. What, I don't Let's know what else going. I could possibly do. Yeah. But I'm actually scared for people. Yeah. I really, truly... It's so easy when you're passionate about something and you really believe in it. And I really do because I really, truly believe... That I, I just want to, and agents should feel this way too. I want to push as many people into home ownership as possible, and we might have between now and March of twenty four yeah. to yeah. do that. Right, seriously. Especially Unless you've for got those. something to sell, you know, and your your move up, and you got a big pile of money to put down. Yeah, first time home buyers, it's it's going to be tough. They Very. got shut out by all the institutional buyers and yeah. the need for all the down payments. I mean, I drew up this little scenario uh, last month in a class I did where I said, you look at what you had to do in 2022 in order to buy a house. You had to probably put at least 20% down. You probably had to pay you know, maybe 10% over the list price. You didn't get any inspection things covered because yes. they were basically like, oh, the furnace is broken. Oh, that sucks for you. Right. You know, and, uh, and so you were kind of on your own basically at that point. And then 2023 rolled around and now all of a sudden you're getting a little bit off the price of the house. You're asking for closing costs. You're getting inspection stuff covered. And, and so it was... The only objection you really had from a buyer was the interest rate. Yeah. That yeah. was the only thing. Let me give Patrick uh, a little credit here. He actually came up with something that ended up going viral. Oh, yeah. What is that in 22? My one thing. Yeah, the one thing. I, yeah. I, basically, Patrick just made this this infographic that was just two columns, right? And it was like, what was it? You, you explained. You had like 17 things that it was are great pro, about them. <laughs> pros and cons of buying a home in this market. And on yeah. the left side, it was like everything you just mentioned. Yeah, inspection. And then on the right, it's, it was cons, and it was just high rate. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. And that's, that's very true. I it, went, it went all across the country. I don't think time. I ever saw yours, but you know, great it, minds. It got pirated. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, damn, I should have put my yeah, logo or my face on that yeah. or something. Yeah, it took off. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I got a question. How about... Um, um, Loans for undocumented people. Yep. Like, yep. What does that look like? <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So Call the, me. Yeah. Because that's a great market, right? So we now, have right? I, I-10 is probably the most common mm-hmm. one or foreign national. Foreign national, yeah. Um, we can do them. They need to have money. I mean, that that's... that's money meeting down payment? Or? Yes. We yeah. technically have uh, 3.5% down I-10. Yeah. Loan. I'm not a huge fan of that one. Yeah, me either. For various reasons, we won't nerd out on right yeah. now. But yeah, I mean, if you've got a comp- an entity buys the home in their name, oh. it's almost like a rent versus rent to own situation. I have never done one. Yeah, but we technically have that. But yeah, if you have some some down payment, we can make it happen. Yep. So like ten percent, twenty percent. I think tens. The- you guys are very elusive right now. Well, because like, it depends. I feel <laughs> like I'm in a back alley negotiating. <laughs> we're we're for lenders. A, Come on, stolen yeah. bicycle. We're, we're just above you. How sales. much money you got? Yeah, there. Ju- uh. just just let us talk to them. All right, we'll do the lending. That is so <laughs> creepy. That is so weird. Well, no. there are pro- the point is there are programs out there um, uh, with you know undocumented as well as foreign national and there's there's a handful of them and we can make it happen not to be sketchy and, and vague but we that was both of those things well <laughs> if if i'm a real estate agent just don't let a client tell you i mean they can tell you hey i don't qualify but always ask them hey did you talk to a lender yeah um because their interpretation of what qualifying means is completely different than what's possible. Right. I, I just did a class at the downtown office yesterday on the bank statement loan and had like six agents come up to me with all kinds of scenarios where someone else was denied. 
Yeah. You know, and I'm like, yeah, let me talk to him. That doesn't sound like a denial to me because of this, this and this. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've got we've got the outside the box stuff. Well, I get it totally right now because, you know, I went up to ba- uh, up to uh, um, Granby and I met with Sheila up there about Granby Ranch. And she got me so excited. I put a deposit down on one of the condos. And nice. the next step is to meet with Patrick about <laughs> the financing. And I have wild anxiety about this. Like, <laughs> hey, I've seen thousands and thousands and thousands of loan applications. There's nothing I haven't Ooh, seen. Yeah, we financially undress people for a living. It's a weird Seriously. job. Seriously. Yeah. It's weird. But, okay. I mean, mortgages have been pretty stable. You ask, like, what's coming? Um, and I think a lot of what we've been talking about is almost preaching to the choir. Yeah. Um, I'd love to talk about some things your agents should be doing. Do yeah. it. Go for it. Market. Cool. So I do a lot of classes. I love to survey real estate agents and ask them how many sit down with a client face to face and do a listing appointment. Yep. And a hundred percent of the room raises their hand. When I say, how many of you legitimately 100% sit down with a buyer mm-hmm. for a professional buyer appointment, maybe 10% of the room. Yeah. So I think the most important thing in this market is meeting with your clients yep. and doing and going over all these things we've been talking about. Why is inventory staying well? Why rates going down is actually a bad thing for you. Mm-hmm. You already want to own the home right. when rates go down. Yeah. But that, that professional presentation, I think, is the biggest opportunity. Yeah. Because yeah. clients are scared. Fannie Mae surveyed uh, potential home buyers. 85% of people said it's a bad time. Hmm. Bad time to buy. Yeah. And they're yeah. all wrong. Well, they all know that. Yeah, because they're listening to media stuff. Yeah. Right. right? So they don't understand what the truth is, like what you guys have been talking about. I mean, there's a limited window, I think. Yeah. Right. I, you know, what? If, that's a great point about having the buyer consultation. But I think the other thing that I would add to that is when did we stop putting buyers in our cars? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, I'll meet you at the property, mm-hmm. right? You know, and maybe it's because you kind of had to do it that way a little bit because, you know, the house came on the market and you had to be there in 35 minutes or else you missed out on the opportunity. But, man, you learned so much it, about... Lots of rapport when they're in the car. You know yeah. what changed it? This is what changed it, GPS. Mm. As think? soon as they had access right. to GPS... They no longer, because that was our way of being like, we can, remember with the old Rand McNally books? Yeah, pull out the big map. Yeah, Look at me, like, I'm the realtor, the big map, I know where oh I'm yeah, going. Dude, we're like magical, <laughs> dude. They were like, are you a wizard? How did you yeah. know how to find this house? Right. And you're like, you know the streets are numbered, right? right? Like, <laughs> so, but that's what changed it. And I am 100% with you. If agents script to a buyer to say, hey, my process is I would prefer you to ride with me. You're going to have so much better conversation, and because in those conversations you're you're driving around with the client, and they might say something, and you're like, you know what? Um, who told you that? And they go, mm-hmm. oh, my grandpa told me that. And you go, well, you know that was true 20 years ago. Let me explain today, right? And you're able to overcome some of those things so much easier when you're with them. That's right. Yeah, and, and you do that level. with the buyer presentation too. It's like if yeah. you do it with for a listing presentation, why wouldn't you do it for the buyer presentation, or, yeah. or, or even just do one at all? So I actually encourage agents to jump on my buyer's presentation because, again, we're kind of coming from more of like a financial advisory investment standpoint Mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. The whole point of my buyer's presentation is I want this buyer, especially if they're a first-timer, to have like FOMO. Yeah. Like I want them to just want to jump up and get a house right away. Yeah. You know, and when I talk to an investor or I talk to someone that owns property, 
I want them to jump up and want to own six more doors right away. And what else you're doing is you're giving them the ammunition or the objection handlers to go back to their family who says, right now is a horrible time to buy. And now they say, you Mm -hmm. know, here's a reason that I should buy or here's what my lender told me the reason I should buy or here's my my real estate agent said to get them to overcome the doubters. Mm -hmm. That's right. Right? Right. Yeah. All right. So what else, Patrick, uh, would you say? agents should be doing. So I think do the buyer presentation and in that buyer presentation, talk about return on investment. Yeah, They may be buying it because they're having a kid. They may be buying it because they want an extra room and that's all great, but you got to show them return on investment. And that's pretty simple. You say, hey, real estate is the best investment in the world. Let me show you why. You put 5% down, home values go up on average 5% per year in Denver. So if you put down five and make five, that's a hundred percent return on investment. That's right. Yeah. Are you going to get that anywhere else? S and P five hundred averages ten. So yep. show them a return on investment. Right now in this market, we're doing a cost of waiting. Mm. So mm. showing them, hey, if you re- wait to buy when rates are five percent, but prices are ten percent higher, here's where you're losing money. One, you lost that ten percent. That could have been yours. But also, your payment's actually not lower because you paid more for the house. Yeah, yeah it's, it's funny, too, because you know, when you look at, at if rates, or not rates, but if prices were going to come down, they're going to come down slightly, mm-hmm. a couple percent. So really, are you really trying to predict like that bottom of the market? Because you're going to miss it. You're yeah. gonna, only going to know it was the bottom after it's already gone. Correct. Yeah, the other thing I like to say too, and, and agents should should you know reiterate this is like let's just go hypothetical and let's say that the market was completely flat, right? So you you bought a house and the market stayed flat, let's say for three four years, right? You still won because of the forced savings account with principal and interest, right? Yeah. So if your equity stayed at exactly what you paid in those few years, and this is of course a situation we know that would never happen, but let's just say it, it would, right? You still paid down that loan. Right, yeah. which is forced savings, so it's still so much better than renting. Then there's the emotional side of it that agents should talk about. The emotional side is no one's going to come and kick you out. Mm-hmm. You can paint the accent wall whatever color. You know what I mean? You can put a swing set in the backyard. There is the emotional side to real estate too, but in this market, we have to be really defensive about the investment of it. Well, there's another side of it too, which is you're not going to get that phone call from a landlord that says, "Hey, I decide to sell. Right. Your, here's your 30 day notice." Right. No one can come kick you out. That's yeah. 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 yeah, that's anxiety right there. Yeah. Your kids Huge. are in school. It, yeah, now you're oh. in a different school, but you can't find. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can't find a place to move. Right. I think most real real estate agents I know are really good at building the relationship, going over, you know, the the aesthetics of buying a home. You know, the vision, the dream. They're really good at that. What they probably need to get better at is actually showing them the numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you know, benefits. I think one thing actually that would be effective, especially people that are of my generation and soon to be your generation, Sean, since you're getting older. <laughs> next month is it? Two uh, months? Yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about. That. Yeah. So anyway, is you know you think back of all the houses that I own from when I started. Actually, you could even go back to college when I was in college. Uh, going into my junior year, I was up in Fort Collins, go Rams. And um, my parents asked me if I wanted a car or if they wanted, if a, they could buy a house that my friends could rent. Huh? And, and I picked the car. So, <gasps> but you even go back that far. I know that was a bad decision. Mm-hmm. But, but ultimately, if you took all the houses that I bought over the last 20, 
uh, what that be, 26 years of buying houses, if I would have kept all of them, and you'd look at what the value of those houses are today, I mean, how much money would that be? Yeah. That's insane. And so, like, I think it's really effective to have an actual uh, something that you can show somebody and say, here's a story. Let me paint this story. Because at the end of the day, we would all probably say, if we had to do it all all over again, we'd buy our first house, and then Mm -hmm. we'd rent it. And then we'd buy the second house, and we'd rent it. And we'd buy the third house, and we'd rent it. And that's how you build wealth. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And we do that. We'll sit down with them and show them, hey, here's here's your projected net worth in five years if... Home values are only 2%. Yeah. Right. That's the other thing, too, as I say, like an agent should say this, too, is, that, hey, I know it doesn't check all the boxes, but could you live here for a year? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So let's start this journey of collecting houses. That's right. Yep. Okay, guys. So we have about two minutes left. So if anybody wants to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you? 303-956-9764. And that was Patrick. Yeah, that's Patrick. Um, Kevin, no, nope, just that one. Yeah, just that. Yeah, just keep that. Uh, KevinGreenTeam.com, just like it sounds, KevinGreenTeam.com, 303-865-3952. And then my email is kg at ccm.com. Okay. And, and you guys are so inspiring. Like, just keep, keep the energy. Go on. Yeah. No, seriously. Like, you guys are, you know, I mean, we need that. In, well, right, we need that right thanks, now. Thanks. We're trying, man. Our yeah. number one goal is to help you guys sell more houses. Yeah. So. Both shows. Yeah. Okay, Kevin, Patrick, uh, thanks for coming today. Appreciate you guys, and we will see you soon. Thank you. Thanks, guys.